Father, we pray for America. Lord, we pray that this nation's leaders will repent and acknowledge you, each of them. Lord, no matter what side of the aisle they stand on, Father, that they might not serve themselves and that they might not serve a God that they've made up for themselves, that they might serve the one true God and his dictates and that the will of the one true God will stay true for this nation and that this nation might be governed in your light. As you say in your word, it's in your light that we see light. And so we pray, Father, for this nation. We pray for its leaders. We pray that you will do a move of your spirit in their hearts, Lord God. And that whatever enemy has planned for this nation will fail in the name of Jesus. And that your true will might come to pass here. Lord, uh, we pray that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. May God bless America. Yes, indeed. My title for today is, Why is my faith not working? How many of you felt like that before? <laughs> Why is my faith not working? Um, been around the block a couple of times and things are still kind of where I'm uh, hoping they wouldn't have been. And, uh, or I, I used to be much further ahead and here I am back at square one. Um, I lost things. I, I failed in things. Uh, things broke. Uh, and I am recovering or I've just been slow and steady but nothing spectacular man I've, I hope things would have been so much different so much more extravagant by now in my life I hope would have I hope that I would have achieved so much more by now and yet here I am just you know uh, uh, you know normal old me uh, having not made any waves that I hope the influence I would have had and 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 just being disappointed it, it kind of like why am I still here or I trusted God for just real specific things in my life you know maybe uh, uh, you know, maybe a, a particular need that you've had and, and it hasn't come through yet. Why is my faith not working? So as a part of our uh, uh, summer series here at OSC, we're talking about certain essentials. Uh, we spoke about peace and joy uh, a while back. We spoke about hope last week and today we're talking about faith. Faith is a real important aspect in a Christian's life. As you'll all know, if you were a true Bible-believing Christian, you'll understand that our stance before God is a stance of faith. It is not something that we earn. It's not something that we suffer for. It's not something that we work for. It's something that we believe. And because we believe, we are justified. And we have, we have been given a right standing before God. So faith is really important. But faith is not just something we use for salvation to get saved and to go to heaven. Faith is how we order all of our lives. In fact, the Bible says even this, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so we're encouraged to live our lives as you have Lived, as you have received Christ Jesus, Colossians would say, so continue to live in him. Well, if you, can, if you received him in faith, then the continuation of your life needs to be faith. And the Bible is clear that our faith was in response to God's word and the commitments and the work that he had done. And so the rest of our lives need to be the same thing, a response to his word and the commitments and principles that he had laid down for us. So... Why is it then that we struggle so much with faith? Let's ask a different question today. Let's ask the question, what is faith? Because if I know what faith is, I might learn how to use it properly. What is faith? 
Hebrews 11 verse 1 says the following. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can almost call faith a placeholder. It's like something needs to come in that place. But until it comes into that place, there's faith that it will come into that place. Faith is the substance of what you hope for. It's the evidence of what you're not seeing yet. In other words, you're hoping for something to materialize in your life or to realize in your life. But until it does, there's faith. Faith holds that place. It is evidence that you will have what you're trusting for. You're just not seeing it yet. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Romans 8 verse 28 says it's for in this hope we are saved and hope that is seen is not hope. Once something that has been realized, it's no longer hope, right? Now it's reality. I don't have to hope for receiving this thing. I have it. So my hope is complete. It's been, it's been completed. For no one hopes for what he sees already, right? No one hope. So <clears throat> if faith is a substance of things hoped for, it means that faith is going to back off of hope. And last week we said that, you know, hope allows us to look to the future and dare to believe. But hope and faith is not exactly the same thing. I want to explain that difference today. But they both operate in the unseen and toward the unseen. And the same is you don't have faith any longer for something that you have received. When you have received it, you move on to something different. You have received it. That's why so many of us can talk about the assurance of our salvation. I no longer doubt whether I'm saved, whether I'm forgiven, whether I'm going to heaven. I don't need faith for that anymore because it has materialized. The Bible says this is eternal life that you know God and the Father, God the Father. This is eternal life, let you know. So even though I'm in this realm, I know in the spirit realm I am forgiven, I've been set free, and I've been granted eternal life. I'm not waiting for the judgment day one day to see whether I made it. I know I made it because I'm responding to the word of God and it has given me that assurance, right? So in a sense, maybe it's not like I don't need faith at all for it because it is yet to materialize physically, right? But that faith that I have is my evidence, that it will materialize, right? It's the placeholder for it. And so until I, in in actual reality, see it happen, I pass from death to eternal life. Yes, there needs to be faith. And maybe that's a small correction that I need to say, that there needs to be faith. But that faith gives me assurance. It is my evidence. Because there is faith, the outcome is secure, right? It holds that place for me. And so I don't have to doubt whether I am going to get to heaven one day. And neither does any one of you who have placed your faith in what Christ Jesus has done for you on the cross. Now, I I know that that sounds a little weird, but trust me, this is what the Bible says. It says that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Faith is a response to that. I'm going to show you just now how it works. What is this evidence and this substance that we talk of really? Let's listen to what Romans 10.8 says. But what does it say? It says the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. 
So Paul's drawing distinction between salvation by the law, by works, versus salvation that comes through faith. And he says, this is the word of faith that we preach, that the word has come near you. It is now on, in your mouth and it is in your heart. Verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No amens. <laughs> that was a really good place to say amen, by the way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But remember how it started. It said, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and it's in your heart. Verse 10 says, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Skip a couple of verses further. Verse 17 says the following, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the message of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the message of Christ. Here's what faith is. Faith is an unrelenting assurance based on a word from someone whom I trust that settles what he had said in my heart as a conviction. It's a word from somebody. It's a commitment from somebody whom I trust that then gives me assurance that that thing will be so. So the whole Bible is made up of word, right? It's the word of God. And when the word of God comes to me, it sparks in me a hope, and that hope can translate into an assurance, which is faith, that that word will come to pass in my life. That is faith. It is trust in the word of God, that it is the final say-so about my life and about our lives that I can bank on will happen, and therefore I can pursue it I can stay faithful to it. I can, I, can, I can run with confidence and boldness and I can say bold things like, I'm going to heaven and so are you if you put your faith in Jesus. Now when Jesus made bold statements, he often got crowds like, you know, stunned with silence and then after that rowdy with violence. So I'm like just anticipating when is the stunned with silence going to translate to rowdy with violence? <laughs> Please, let's just... This is the word of God, all right? And, and, and don't worry, we, they already crucified Jesus, so anger has been, they already, they already did something bad to somebody good, so let's just try to move forward with less violence here today. Because I see those eyes that y'all looking at. With, who is this guy? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. How can we walk with confidence in our salvation? How can we walk with confidence and boldness in the grace of God? How can we say things like, God will give you a second chance if you come back to him? How can we say things with, with absolute assurance like that? Because God's word regarding that situation has come near our hearts. And it has dropped into our spirit. 
when the Bible talks about the heart of man, it talks about our spirit, and, 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 and it has caused us to be convicted that he will respond according to what he had promised. And so I can make those declarations knowing that he will back his word, his commitment. I don't have to make him do that. He already said he will. And because I believe that, I'm operating in faith. Faith is a word concerning something from a person that I trust that has settled in my heart and it brings me conviction that it will be so. That's why it is so absolutely important that we get to know God in his character, his nature, but we also get to know the word. We get to know the commitments he made to us. We get to know the promises he gave us. Because when I see a promise in the word of God that is, that is for me, that gives me confidence and it gives me boldness and it gives me strength, it gives me joy, it gives me hope. It gives me the ability to move through what we spoke about last week. In this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome it. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Where do we get the joy of our salvation from? It's from the fact that we've trusted in somebody's word. God said that if you put your faith in me, you will be forgiven. And then we look at our lives and we go like, you mean all this? You mean all, all this can just be set aside and I can stand before you, still loved, still accepted? Oh my greatness. That's awesome. I want that. And he says, you can have that if you believe what I've done for you. You see, that's the goodness of God that makes us want to repent unto his word. Makes us want to live our lives according to his way. Because we've seen the goodness of God. Now, very often, you know, the word we receive of God is, is a promise. And sometimes it's a task. Sometimes it's something that we need to accomplish. Sometimes it's part of our purpose, right? And our job is to take that word and to believe in the one who gave it to us and start walking according to it. Because unless we start walking according to it, we cannot see the outcome fulfilled that God wants us. Bible says faith without works is dead. So faith is not just an intellectual agreement. Faith is an actual conviction that causes you to live by your newfound way of seeing. And until the faith drops down to your feet and makes you move, it's just, it's just you having intellectual assent. In other words, you can see the logic and you agree that that is logical, yes. So Jesus canceled death on the cross. That means that if we, and if we believe that, we'll be saved. It's like, you know, uh, two times two equals four. I, I, I can agree with that. That is not enough. That's not faith. Faith is not me just mentally assenting and agreeing with something. Faith is me banking my eternity on that truth. Faith is me standing up and saying, I know I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven. And have the assurance of scripture backing me and not being afraid to say it. And not think that when I'm saying it, I am being 
uh, you know, blasphemous or, or, or in any form or way stepping outside of, of God's, uh, out of line with God. That's what faith does. It makes you do what you are convicted in and what you are con- convicted of. So we see in Scripture um, many people that were celebrated for their faith. And Hebrews 11 is like the Hall of Fame of everybody who walked significant faith journeys with God. And I don't know if you've ever read through Hebrews 11, um, because verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then the rest of the, the chapter is a basic expose of men of God and women of God who acted on their faith hoping for to see things come to pass many of them never did in their lifetimes but they did not waver in their commitment to trusting god they did not waver in their commitment and many of them went through very many like you know um challenges and 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 their lives got got wrecked and and they went through heartache and they had failures but none of that caused them to lose their faith and their, their commitment to trust that what God had said would come to pass. And sure enough, they were still alive when these things did come to pass, when the promises were fulfilled, they just weren't alive on earth anymore. And sometimes we walk in this earth and we think to ourselves, hmm, this faith thing is not working. I'm going to tell you a story about that in a second. But the bottom line is sometimes we will go through life and some promises won't come to pass. That does not mean that God is not faithful. It means that in the sovereign will of God, he knew that that needs to be fulfilled later because it's better for all that way. But because you trusted him and you're alive in eternity, that promise will be fulfilled even to you. It just might not happen when you are here. Now that raises a question. Why have faith at all then, right? Because if it's not going to come through for me, why should I have faith for it in the first place? Well, my question back to that is, you think that faith is about us and our purposes? Is that what faith was for in the, in all this time? Or is faith really something that God, God wants us to, 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 to respond to, to see His will and desire come. We'll answer that today. But let's look at some of these people. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still preaches. He still speaks to us. You know why Cain's offering was accepted and not, no, Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's were rejected? They were the, they were the, the carriers of two different covenants. The one was based on works, the sweat of your brow. The other one was based on obedience and the sacrifice of a lamb. Abel knew that without the shedding of blood, both of them knew without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Abel chose in obedience to just trust that that would be enough. Cain said, 
I'm going to show through my righteous works that I am acceptable and I'm better. By the sweat of his brow, he brought from the fruit of his labor, he brought an offering. Abel said, I'm going to bring a lamb from my flock. I'm going to kill it. Let the blood flow. Not, not much labor there. Just the sacrifice. Just the obedience. By faith, he trusted in the principle that he saw, that his mommy and daddy told him, that how do we get clothes? Well, God slaughtered a little animal when we sinned to properly dress us. And y'all should do Bible school. You'll learn all these amazing things about Genesis when you, when, you read, when, you, when you do Bible school. Not that we have Bible school yet, but maybe one day we'll have Bible school. Adam and Eve try to make themselves coverings. The Bible says insufficient coverings out of their own labor. Then God came and he gave them garments, proper covering, covering their nakedness. How did he do it? He slaughtered an animal. And from there, the principle it's first mentioned in Genesis carries out straight through Scripture, through the law, the covenants, and all of it through Jesus Christ and beyond. That without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. An innocent sacrifice for the sake of my guilt. Same principle, straight from Genesis right through to Revelation. Abel trusted that word. Cain tried to prove himself through his labor. Salvation by works, salvation by grace. Come on, y'all get it. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. The fruit of our labor don't please God. It's our faith that pleases him. But after we have put our faith in him, it redeems all our labor. And now all of our labor becomes holy unto him. That's why work is worship unto God. Everything we do, that's why Colossians would say, do all the, all, everything you do, do it as if unto the Lord. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Who seek him. When we seek him, we live according to his way, not our way. Hebrews 11.7 uh, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to um, a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Sarah herself received the power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Pattern after, time after time, the pattern reveals itself. It's a word. A word comes from God concerning a matter, and I believe it. I put my trust in that word, and because I put my trust in that word, I can step out and do things that are ununderstandable, that doesn't make sense to the world. And yet in it carries my salvation. In it carries the fulfillment of my promise, the answers to my prayer. Sarah, by the way, didn't try and stay fit or try and, you know, <laughs> become yoga mama when she got the, you know, the word from God that she was going to conceive. Try to revive her youth through works. No, she, she actually, <laughs> she, 
She actually doubted at first. But the Bible commends her here as, as having at some point decided that she was going to trust that it would happen. Outside of her own strength, God gave her the power and she, con- that, uh, and she, and she uh, conceived. So we often think that, man, you know, God helps those who help themselves, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's your opinion, 1 verse 1. That's not scripture. God fulfills the promises that he make. And if we act on those promises, we are bringing ourselves in line with his provision in that matter. But if we don't, then our our effort isn't going to help achieve that. Now, there's a difference between dead works effort and faith that leads to works, right? Yes, because when when faith comes, the work is redeemed. And the work now all of a sudden makes sense. And the work now all of a sudden becomes holy unto him. But in, at first, the work is dead. Because nothing that is dead can produce anything that is living. You must first be made alive. And that's what these men knew. And these women knew. And then he says, uh, I'll skip a couple of verses, and he says, what more shall we say? Time would fail to tell of Gideon and Barak and, and, and Samson and, and Jeph, Jephthah um, and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war and put far armies to flight. We just think sometimes that, you know, our faith means that we have to be strong all the time. And, and what we learn from this hall of fame is that these were broken people who just trusted in the word of the Lord. They were weak humans like we, like us, like, like I, who didn't, couldn't manage to do it all perfect and, and, and get it all right every time. And yet because of the faithfulness of God, because of our faith in Him, we were made strong in our weakness and we accomplished things. How many of you, when you look at Crowley, right, and you look at this, this community, you, you say, say to yourselves, let's go change this community. What feeling comes into your stomach? I tell you, I, get an, I almost get nauseated if I think about that. I'm like, Lord, how the heck are we going to do this? This feels too big. It's like, it feels like the enemy has become too strong here. It's like he's, he's won. We should rather maybe just give this up to him and then go to another place where, you know, things are better still. The Bible says that in our weakness, through faith, we can be made strong. Let me say this to you guys. If we will learn how to operate in faith and trust the will of God for this city, we will see things come to pass in this place that is miraculous, that is unexplainable. We will see things happen and and, and our name won't necessarily be connected to it and that's okay. But we will see things happen because we are trusting in the name of our God to bring change to this place, to save this city and to save its people. But our faith needs to stay in place. We need to keep trusting in our weakness when we feel tired, when we feel sometimes I can't go no more. Say, thank you, Lord. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will stand up and I will try again. I will try again because he said he's going to do it. He said he loves this place. He said he will, he will bring breakthrough for us. That's what faith is. If you read this account in scripture, you see faith is connected to God's mission. It's connected to his will. So often we make faith about us, my dreams, my hopes, my desires, and I try to use my faith to bend God's arm. How many of you have tried to do that? I've done, tried to do that plenty of times. Let me, let me tell you some stories about my past. All right, this is my early journey of faith, okay? So I'm, I'm like 19 or 20. <clears throat> I'm entering into ministry, and uh, man, I'm just zealous. I'm passionate. I am dirt poor. I am eating coffee and black coffee and toast most of the days. Um, but I have a calling from the Lord. And I am going to change the world, right? So this is me. I'm 19, 20 years old. And I, I just like went into ministry, you know, and um, uh, I'm living in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in a little apartment um, that by the grace of God, somebody paid for me, um, and uh, uh, man, I can hardly change my mind in there. That's, it's that small, right? If I, if I want to do something, I have to go out, change my mind outside and come back with new, you know, intentional, well, what am I going to do in, the, do in there? Um, but I don't have a car. I, don't, I can hardly feed myself, let alone feed a vehicle. Um, you know, some of them things are thirsty. And uh, um, all my friends around me have their own cars, their own motorbikes, and I am riding a bicycle, right? So naturally, what do I do? You know, I'm part of a faith movement. So I'm like, I'm going to trust God for a car. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. So I start naming and claiming and framing. I'm a picture on the wall and I'm, I'm praying and trusting God for that car because God most wants me to have a car. Of course, he wants me to have a car. I don't know where in the Bible it says that, but I'm sure he wants me to have a car, right? He wouldn't want me to suffer like this, would he? He delights in the prosperity of his servant. There's a scripture. And I took that scripture and I made that scripture my, I'm getting a car scripture. Don't do that. <laughs> That's my early journey of faith. So I would pray, Lord, you called me to work for you. So you better provide for me to do what you've called me to do. You know, if it's God's vision, he will give you the provision. What's all those sayings? <laughs> you know? And I was like, Lord, it's not, so nothing happens, right? I don't get a car, okay? So, so, so year, years go by, like one or two years go by, and I'm still riding my bicycle. I'm now like 22, 23. I'm like, Lord, I'll be better, able to do my work so much better if you could just give me a car. And I'm confessing my scripture, and I'm praying, and I'm, I'm like rebuking the devil, and, and after a while, I'm rebuking myself because it must be sin. I must have some hidden sin in my life. That's why this thing's not happening, right? So I'm like, oh. and so of course, I have many sins, right? And so I just start like, you know, <clears throat> confessing them all. And like, every day, I'm like, oh, so after a while, I was like, ah, oh, it's because I can't break through this sin that, they, that, I, that I must not be receiving what God, ha- you know, wants for me. I'm not receiving the car. So looking back now, right, as I was preparing this message, I, I think to myself, I realized how much time I spent in prayer for a car. I mean, it was like, literally like it consumed me. And here I am, I'm a missionary, supposed to be reaching out to students, you know, on university campuses, talking, telling them about Jesus, trying to get them saved, right? 
And, and, and I'm praying for a car. I'm not praying for nobody's salvation. I'm not praying for nobody's like, you know, <laughs> help being, being set free from, from, from sin. And, and I'm not interceding for people. I'm, I'm interceding from, for me because I need a car to do ministry. I wasted so much energy and time and effort in pursuing that car in faith. So people start getting cars around me. Right? My, my, my peers, like the guys who serve in ministry with me, they start getting cars around me. I'm like, all right, mine's coming up. <laughs> it's about to happen, baby. And so I start looking at, you know, where is it going to come? Who's going to give me a car? You know, so I start making friends with the right people, you know, <laughs> that might could afford, you know, when they get the new car upgrade that I might, you know, be the one that, but those cars just like get passed down <laughs> everywhere else other than me. I'm like, Lord! Do you even know how hard I'm working for you? I remember the one time I'm leading a life group. And one of the, um, the girls in my life group, she just came into, into ministry internship, right? I mean, I'm now like, I'm now like four, 24, 25, right? And she's just become an intern. And, uh, um, and, and, and out of the blue, one day, her parents buy her a car. You know, and her testimony in life group is, you know what? God is so awesome. I'm just so overwhelmed. I did not even ask for this car yet. And God gave me a car. I'm sitting there, praise Jesus. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. And I'm crying, but I'm like, Lord, I hate you right now. I've asked for this thing. So long and here this unworthy, undeserving follower. I'm a leader, by the way. Follower of my life group gets a car before me. Brand new, by the way. Tough, tough, tough times because I'm, I'm trying to exercise my faith. But guess what happened? Nothing, nothing. I survived. I'm still here. You know, God sustained me. You know, I never went. I never went to bed hungry. Praise God! I never went to bed hungry. I, I mean, um, I might not have had three meals every day, but I never went to bed hungry. And things started improving financially for me. You know, and I would eat better, and I would start living in better um, accommodation, and and so 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 things. Were, but I would never recognize any of that growth because why? because I haven't gotten the car yet. And that's what I put my faith out for. So around the age of 25, I finally gave up. I went and took out a loan. I bought my own car. <laughs> I said to the Lord, I'll show you how it's done. Unless you for, in case you've forgotten how you do this, all right? This, this is how we do it. We, you, it's quite easy, actually, all right? Anyway, so I was like, kind of, I, I found a girl that I like, you know, and I, and I knew that it's about time I get a car because how am I going to go on dates if I don't even have a car? And uh, um, so I caved. I caved in. But deep inside me, I felt like a failure. I felt like I gave up the faith, gave up the journey of faith by going and buying the vehicle, you know, with a loan. Um, I had so many misconceptions. Here's another story. In that period of time, a visiting faith preacher comes around, right? So he's just preaching faith. So, oh man, 
I am intrigued by this man. He's, I mean, he's a successful businessman. I mean, he just it testifies about how God just, you know, gives him deals and how, you know, he just, he's just rolling in, in finances. And, um, you know, he, he needs a, a, a plane and he buys a plane and he needs this and people gift him. And I'm just like, man, I need to listen to this guy. So I'm listening to this guy, right? And I mean, he's preaching and I'm writing down notes and I'm like, oh yeah, I know this. I've tried that. I've kind of, I'm doing that. Like <clears throat> at the end of the sermon and everything, everybody's like in awe and I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, really? Is that it? Is that it? It's like you gave me nothing new that's going to change what I do now. How, how am I going to get the car? You, I, I, I had so much hope that you were going to help me Get the car. So afterwards, I go and I start grilling him with questions. I'm like, but how does this work? And how does that work? And why, how, when you say that, I don't see that happening like that. And the Bible says, and, and so I start getting theological on this guy. <clears throat> and so I start, I start getting into a debate with him. And, and one mo- at one point, he just said to me, you're done? I'm like, yes, sir. He says, you know what your problem is, boy? Like, just like that. You haven't lived long enough. And then he turned around and he started talking to other people. <laughs> I was offended. I was deeply, deeply disappointed in that man <laughs> and offended. I had to go through many, many, many freedom weekends to forgive that guy. But deep inside me, there was a real sincere desire to want to learn to live by faith, right? And this whole car thing had really tripped me up. So come to find out later on that that he was actually right. Um, I didn't live long enough. (laughs) And um, I have received cars in my life uh, as gifts after that at some point. Um, But it was way after I had corrected much of my perspective, much of my perspective, and um, and I just want to share some of that with us today because I believe that if you're walking by faith, it can be the most powerful force driver in your life that keeps you going no matter what, but it can also be one of the biggest disappointments. It can also lead you down a path where you start doubting God, and that is exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to distrust the word of God, but God wants you to continue your faith in the word of God. Because if you continue your faith in the word of God, then and, and your trust story in the word of God, faith can keep you going. Faith can keep you going no matter where you find yourself in life. Okay, so why don't my faith work? I'm going to show you exactly how we need to look at faith so that we don't, we don't make mistakes and operate actually in something different. Okay, so let me first read 1 Timothy because it, 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 6 verse 5 to 11 because it describes a little bit of who I was. I was depraved in mind and deprived of the truth imagining that godliness is a means of personal gain. That's what that really means. Godliness is a means of personal gain. But godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. There's a big difference between faith, between foolishness, and presumption. And I want to help you today to see how do we operate in true biblical faith, not in foolishness or presumption. What is presumption? Presumption can be defined as an entitled faith. That's largely what I had. I had an entitled faith. Lord, you know how hard I've been working for you. Do you know how long I've been, do you know how long I've served you? How long I've been faithful to you, Lord? And, 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 and still, still nothing. Still I'm here. It's a presumption because um, of how much you've prayed or sacrificed or performed, you think that that is now due to you. Why should God bless you? Well, because I'm suffering for his cause. Because I go to church regularly. Because I, I've given this month. Well, because I tithe. That's why I deserve to be blessed. And see, all of that is just presumptuous. It's presumptuous. Because your entitlement, you're, through your entitlement, you're acting like you deserve it. And God does not bless that kind of response to him. Because who's Lord? He is Lord. And I can't dictate. And, 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 and if I operate outside of the kingdom principles, how can I expect him to bless what is not his? See, if, if I go on, on my own effort and my own, and my own you know, my own, what I've done I'm not even operating in the same covenant that he is in with me in. And to think that God is going to bless that is just presumptuous. And it'll lead to disappointment and a lot of it. Luke 18.10, two men went to the temple and prayed. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Both were wealthy people. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. He said, God, I thank you that I am not like the other guy extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. How many of you have prayed that prayer? Lord, I've never been involved in drugs and I've never killed somebody and I've never, and I don't do road rage like those other people. And I don't steal my taxes like those guys with all the money do. And Lord, I've never, I've never, um, you know, uh, done anything bad for this community. I've never, uh, you know, influenced and, 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 you know, had it in for, 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 for poor people. I've always tried my best to help people. And then based off of that, you should bless me. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. It goes on. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He just beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Jesus says, I'll tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The second form of, uh, you know, Relating to God that we think is faith often is, is just foolishness. And foolishness can be, dis, can be defined as misguided faith. It's faith for the wrong things. Because you ask for selfish reasons. Let's go James 4 says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Do you have beef with people who are rich? in this town you do not have because you do not ask you ask but you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions second timothy 2:22 paul reiterates his warning to timothy he says to him look you have to flee these youthful passions Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Misguided faith makes it about me and what I want, not about God's will for my life. You know, there's a very good reason why Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, made a real pertinent point on the top of that prayer. Just after we glorify God, to declare our intention for coming to prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, not my kingdom. And then all I ask is that you give me my daily bread. I'm not asking for a year's supply in advance so that I can, you know, feel like I have a lot. No. In fact, what I'm doing is I'm just putting myself in your hands. And I'm asking, you just sustain me, Lord. You take me and you sustain me. My trust is in you. Give me today my daily bread. And then forgive me my trespasses and we'll go on. No, God says in, in, in 1 John 5 verse 14, which, which promises that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. But the key word there is if we ask according to his will. He hears us. And somehow we have twisted our prosperity into his ultimate will. This is the ultimate reason why God wants me to save, is to make me rich, to prosper me. If you're in that belief system, you're going to have a lot of disappointment and frustration because God don't play according to our rules. He just doesn't. He plays according to his rules and he invites us into his rules, right? He invites us into his playing field. And when we play the game according to his way, we align with his provision and we will be provided for. In fact, we will even prosper. We will even prosper. But we will be calling on the Lord from a pure heart. It will not be for self-grandizing aggrandization or what is that big word and it won't be for or even for self-actualization i want to just become all that i can become no it'll be to glorify him and to see his will be done in and through my life this is what true faith look like 
faith, real faith, biblical faith, is Christ-centered trust. It's putting all of my hopes and desires in Jesus and His provision for His mission, not mine. Right? For His mission, not mine. It's aligned with God's priorities and with His values and mission. Faith manifests the will of God, not the will of man. Let me say that again. Faith manifests the will of God, not the will of man. Now, because we have these, these, this great understanding of who our Lord is, it gives us the ability to trust Him even with the things that we need. And that's why faith is more than just um, me hearing the Bible. Faith is me learning the character and the nature of God. Faith is me understanding the goodness of my Father. Faith is me having a conviction that if I put my life in His hands, it will be well for me. I don't have to dictate to Him how it ought to be for it to be well with me. I can trust that it will be well with me because I serve a good father and I have been accepted by him and he celebrates my love. He loves me and he does delight in the prosperity of his servants. But the key word there is now servant. What does a servant do? The will of his master, right? The will of his master. It's not I'm running around doing my own thing and now I'm expecting God to bless me so that I can keep doing my own thing. No, He blesses us as we come in alignment with His will. That's why we have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's why Matthew 6.33 says, and then if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things, all your needs, all the things that you need and what you desire that God deems good for you will be added. It will be added to you. Look, I look at my girls, right? And I go like, man, what do they need? And then I'm trying to, I make a way for them to have that. Sometimes I give them things that they didn't even know they wanted. <laughs> right? Sometimes y'all come and you bless my kids with things and then they're like, wow, that's so cool. We didn't even know that we liked this or wanted this or we didn't even know this exists. Before we even asked, we got it like that other girl said, right? And we can expect that kind of goodness from our God. We can. But you know what? Sometimes there are things that they want and then there's a string of gifts that come that are not what they wanted. What do I teach them? You say thank you for that thing. And you not only say thank you, you appreciate that thing. And you learn how to walk in gratitude to people that bless you with things. And if God blesses you with something like a spiritual family... You say, thank you, Lord. It's not what I thought I needed right now, but I am grateful that you put these people in my life that help me to walk my next step into your plan, into your purpose. If God gives you a job that you didn't necessarily, this is not your dream job, thank you, Lord, for giving me this job. Let me honor and glorify you as much as I can in this job until you promote me, until I will serve you in this, until you move me or until a different opportunity opens up for me that I I can pursue. Living by gratitude is living in trust in the providence of God. God will provide your needs. He will take you through the hard season. He will, but he wants you to exercise true faith that is Christ-centered. 
This is to be the easiest thing to do in pain and suffering is to become self-centered. The easiest and the biggest danger for you when you go through periods of trial is to become self-absorbed. But that's not the path through it. The path through that is to remain Christ-centered and to continue to put your trust in His providence, in His provision for your life. And to keep glorifying Him in the process, even in the pain. Come on, y'all. That's faith. I trust God and I glorify God even in the pain. That's the kind of faith that these Hall of Faith guys, guys had and girls had. Even when they didn't see it come to pass, they kept glorifying God. They kept faithful to their confession of the hope that they were looking forward to. Within that, there is strength to move forward another day. And every day you take forward in the purposes of God leads to God's will becoming a reality in your life. God is real jealous of us. He wants our desire to be predominantly for Him. So how do we step out in true faith for our lives? I have three points today and then I'm done. The first one is we need to learn to humble ourselves. Man, we become so big in our own eyes. Our needs become so important to us. Our challenges and things become so ultimate in our experience that unless that resolves, we don't even want to talk to God. Wow, how can we be like that? It's because we've become prideful, thinking that all this is about us and we're in the center of our universe. The only way for us to operate in true biblical faith and have that strength and durability to continue through the rough times is to realize that Jesus is still on the throne of my life and Jesus is still the center of my life and my life is still a service unto Him and His kingdom and to see His will be done here. In that there is purpose for my suffering, for my hardship. Because if I glorify Him when it's going well, but I glorify Him when it's going hard, which one is a higher glorifying? When it's hard. When things are not working out the way I wanted them all to work out. In those moments when I say, blessed be the name of the Lord, my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. In those times, God is glorified even more through my life. And that is still my ultimate goal. So I want to ask you, how do we humble ourselves? We have to reevaluate our pursuits. We have to make sure we are putting Christ first in everything we do. So answer this question for yourself. Is your career serving Christ? Is your finances serving Christ? Is your relationships serving Christ? Are your extracurricular activities serving Christ? Whatever is not serving Christ needs to be repented of and stopped or it needs to be brought into alignment with God's purpose for, that, for, for your life. And if you cannot serve Christ through, your, through any of these things that we mentioned, you have to make serious decisions about how you will move forward. Because before you do, you're going to struggle to live in biblical faith. 
Because there's a part of your life where you're exalting your experience, your needs, your pursuits above that of God. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. And I'm including myself in this, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I'm including myself in that. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. He will exalt you. The second thing we need to do is we need to see God's face, not His hand. Man, this is so important. Keep your eyes on the prize, baby. What's your prize? Is your prize the provision or the provider? Truthfully, honestly, if you never receive anything again from God in this life, will you be satisfied and content in the connection, the relationship you have with your provider? See God's face, not His hands. The beauty of seeking God's faith is that (laughs) dealing with the face is dealing with uh, expression, emotion, and communication, and listening. It's actually dealing with relationship. Expressing into relationship with God, not just wanting Him to do things on your behalf, putting aside the, 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 the laundry list for a little bit. No, the shopping list, sorry. <laughs> the laundry list. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that one we need to bring because we need to confess, right? <laughs> the shopping list. Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I need your hand to move on my behalf in this area. I need your hand to move on my behalf in this area. And you can see the hand of God move without seeing His face. That's not his desire for your life. He wants you to have a deep, close, confident, satisfying relationship with him. And it involves talking to him. It involves communicating with him. And it involves hearing him. When you hear God, you hear God affirming you. You hear God um, uh, uh, confirming his love for you and his good plan for you. That adds to your faith to keep going. We think when we see God's hand move, it's going to build our faith. How many times did God do miracles in the Bible? And how many times around the next corner they forgot the hand of God moving in their lives? I mean, we, we can't even count that anymore, right? Trust me, you'll forget God's hands moving in your life. You'll forget it. But you don't forget the word of God that gets close to your heart. You don't forget the word of God that stays on your mouth. And it gives you the faith to move forward, to survive, to strive, uh, to, 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 um, to survive and to thrive. That's when 
You come into the presence of the Lord. You don't come with such a big bag of needs. You, you, you put that aside and you, and you say, well, do what Philippians 4 verse 4 to 7 is. You rejoice in the Lord. Always, Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. When the Bible repeats things, it's like it's an exclamation mark. Like, like one of those big fat ones that they draw, you know, not the, not the little skinny, skinny one, you know, the, 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 the big one. With a, with a big dot at the bottom. It's a massive exclamation mark. It says, pay note to this. I'm not just saying rejoice in the Lord. I say rejoice in the Lord. It's emphasized for us to take note. This is what we are to do when we come to the presence of God. It's rejoice in Him. Glorify Him. Make ourselves glad before Him. Every day we come together, for, every time we come together for Sundays, there's a moment to make glad before the Lord because of what He's done. Where else in, 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 in the rest of the week do you get an opportunity to, to, to be extravagantly glad before the Lord and nobody's going to look at you funny? <laughs> Nowhere, right? <laughs> you can do it in your car, but you're going to get some stares, you know, from the people coming by. I still do it, by the way. But nonetheless, this is our moment to make glad before the Lord, to rejoice in our God. But every time you come into God's presence, it's time to rejoice in your heart because of who He is for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Skip verse five, go to six. Do not be anxious about anything, but be in everything by prayer and supplication with, again, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's not saying don't ask God for things. He's saying ask him and let peace come to you, that he's gonna deal with it. Don't make that thing such a big thing in your life that it becomes an idol that you're serving. Lord, I want this to reach this you know, pinnacle in my career. I wanna, I wanna become that bad of a, you know, uh, a lawyer or, a, or a, by bad I mean like you know, uh, proficient you know, of a lawyer because all lawyers are bad, right? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I like to mess with lawyers. Um, don't make that thing your idol. Put God back in the, in the throne of your life and, and trust Him to provide for you the things you need. And it's fine. I go to God. I tell Him, Lord, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. That'll really make my life easy. And then I leave it there. I don't make it my life's pursuit. No, I make this my life's pursuit. Crowley, getting lives changed my life's pursuit. Even while I'm busy, you know, like this, 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 um, I've been trusting God for a, for a little lean-to, you know, a thing to put stuff under. Well, God provided and I was busy. But as I'm busy putting that thing, I'm, I'm praying. I'm meditating. I'm considering things of what's going on here. This is my pursuit. The kingdom of God is my pursuit. Our, this team, our uh, dealing with the city, how we, how we move forward, what needs to happen in your lives. And I pray, I think, I remember faces. I'm like, Lord, I remember that person's going through that. I pray your will over that situation, Father. I, and, and that's wherever I'm at, that's what I'm, I try most often to do. So I ask, and I ask for big things. Right now I'm asking for a building, y'all. Yeah, we can ask, but we're not going to make that thing our be all and end all. Here we are. We're doing it. It's fun. It's working. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's continue. This is the church that we're focusing on. Us, we, the people here. 
This is our victory. This is our growth. This is our focus. As to let God's kingdom come in our lives and to see each of you stand up in the image of Christ, right? He says, verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know when you start, you start stressing out is, 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 when, is when you're making the thing the pursuit and not him the pursuit. When he is your pursuit, there's peace in your heart about the thing that's not yet there. But when the thing becomes bigger than him, you start stressing and you start struggling and you start, you know, resenting and you start, and you start being mad at the process and, and you become impatient and, 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 and then you start losing your faith. No, 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 no. Keep him the pursuit. Last point. Seek God's will, therefore, then, and start pursuing it. Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who is faithful, he who, who, who promised, he who promised is faithful. So I can come boldly to God and trust that he is going to put in place what I need. I don't have to strive for it. He who promised is faithful. If he said he would do it, I can relax and enjoy the journey toward it. I don't have to strive and try and make it happen. When I try and make it happen, I produce an Ishmael. That's what happened to Sarah and Abraham. They try to push it. They try to make it happen themselves. I tried to do that in my past. I tried to step into the purposes, into the, into the call of God before the time was right. And I ended up producing something that died didn't last I, I, I was I was transplanted from that into something different don't move ahead of it stay in patient pursuit of the Lord follow his will be willing to to, 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 to patiently wait for the promises the Bible says these men and women whom he talks of through faith and patience they inherited the promise some of them had to be patient even beyond death to receive their promises many of their promises were fulfilled in their lifetimes as well you see what we do is we go hmm, the Lord is my shepherd I shall, la- I shall have no lack and then we go into I shall have no lack I shall have no lack I shall have no lack no 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 we need to go the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd where is my shepherd going where is my shepherd going where is my shepherd going if you stick with the shepherd, there will be no lack. But you lose sight of the shepherd and you start looking at the lack. Guess who wanders off? The shepherd. And you lost, his, lost track with where he's going. And then he has to come find you again. I'm here. Let's continue. Find the will of God. Keep pursuing the will of God. What's the next step that you need to take in your journey of faith? What's the next thing that you need to do to stay obedient to the, to, 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 to the Lord? To the word of, to the word of, word of God. Don't think of that as being, oh, that's just, that's just a, a nothing. No, that is nothing. Who, where's the shepherd in your life and where is he leading you next? What's he telling you to do next? The shepherd will always lead you to green pastures. Why? So you can be fed, so you can grow, right? His purpose for you is to grow you. Where's he leading you? 
Don't go away from where He's leading you. He's leading you there so you can grow. He wants you to grow strong. Let's go back to these three things as we close. Which one of them is, is, is currently the thing that, that you feel the Holy Spirit pointing out to you? Is there some, some realignment that needs to happen? Some humbling that needs to happen? And, and, and whose priorities are, 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 I, are I serving? Am I serving really? Do I, need to, do I need to start really becoming serious about seeking God's face? And, 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 and am I really pursuing the will of God in everything that I'm doing? Or have I, have I kind of like said, Lord, you can, you can be a part of this part of my life. I'll give my Sundays to you. But my Monday to, to Friday, that's, that's, that's kind of my, my bosses. And, uh, you know, and, and Saturday, that's mine. God really wants to show His goodness to you. God really wants to get you through everything that you are going through to, so that you can keep on glorifying His name. God really wants to build an intimate relationship with you. But He's doing it on His terms, not ours. And the sooner we step into His terms, the sooner we get to experience the bliss of walking in God's providence and the patience of seeing promises fulfilled or ability created to get things. Like later on, I realized (laughs) it was God that gave me the ability to go out and take the loan and buy the car. It wasn't my hard work either. It was the grace of God that gave me the ability to create finances. It was also His provision. And whereas before I was like, see, I did this all by myself. I realized, oh my goodness, (laughs) I have done nothing but for the grace of God. Aside from the grace of God. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's, Let's pray together today. Which one do you need to respond to? It's the time that you humble yourself. Time that you commit to building a relationship with God and not just being religious in fact I want to if we can all have our eyes closed I want to I want to do a bit of a response real quick if you felt like you've been on the throne of your life and you needed to humble yourself that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you go ahead and raise your hand today just to acknowledge that before the Lord Thank you, I see those hands. If you feel that maybe you've not necessarily sought God's face for relationship, you've just sought His provision. You just want His hand to work in your life. And that's what you need to repent of today and make a commitment here today that you will actually go and start seeking a relationship with Him. Put your hand up. Thank you, I see those hands. The last one, you've... You've been seeking relationship with God, but you've not really been serious about pursuing Him and in your work and in your leisure and in every part of your life. And you want to bring your life into alignment with His will. Just raise your hand as well. Heavenly Father, thank You that Your grace is is. is always available when we come and we say Father we're sorry we had this wrong 
And we want to come in alignment with you and trust you and live the joy of of entrusting everything we have to you and not have to carry that weight and and leave you to define the outcomes of our life and, and serve you wholeheartedly, passionately, learning about you. Father, every person who raised their hands here today knows that there's something that they need to change in their walk with you. And I pray your Holy Spirit will just remind us of this. As we go into this next week, Father, we will learn just the beauty of true faith and the peace and the joy it brings to to trust you wholly and in every part of our lives. Every heart that's repentant, Father, you say, I'm going to transform your life. I'm going to show you things that you could have never thought would happen. You're going to see the joy of of letting me govern and lead your life. Father, for those who are going through real, real, tangibly tough times, I pray that they might know that you see them you haven't forgotten them and that you will carry them through. That if they seek your face, Lord God, that they stay in relationship with you, you will give them peace and joy, enough strength, hope to go through this whole ordeal and stand victorious on the other side because you who promised, you're faithful, you're faithful. And on that, Lord God, we stand today. Your faithfulness. And we give you our lives, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.